O God, as we celebrate the bearer of the eternal word, may our words ever praise you, our souls ever magnify you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I moved to Chicago in 1996 to teach at a Catholic high school, I was suddenly immersed in another universe, a Catholic universe, circumscribed with mystery and nourished by sacraments, where faith was not only about reason and dogma, but even more about the imagination and the senses. Though I had gone to a Catholic high school in Pittsburgh, I had not grown up in this Catholic world, and as an adult, I often felt like a visitor in a new land. And one of the most important figures in my new country was Mary. Now, of course, I knew who Mary was, the mother of Jesus. I knew about the Hail Mary, though I probably could not have prayed it yet but I didn't really know Mary. If you had pressed me, I would have been able to tell you that blessed and virgin were important descriptors, but that was about it. But you can't teach on the south side of Chicago in the Catholic school system without getting to know Mary very well. I mean all of her and all the ways that people love her. That love and devotion is evident in many ways, but perhaps most apparent to a newcomer in the names of the parishes and the schools. Our Lady of Tepeyac, Our Lady of the Wayside, Our Lady of the Ridge, Our Lady of Humility, Our Lady of the Rosary, Our Lady of Perpetual Help, Our Lady of the Snows. Queen of all angels, Queen of all saints, Queen of martyrs, Queen of the universe. St. Mary of the Lake, St. Mary of the Woods, St. Mary, Star of the Sea. And that's just a few of the parishes and schools named for Mary. And as a newcomer, I pondered these various titles and descriptions of Mary. I loved Star of the Sea, so mystical, but I had no idea what it meant. Or Our Lady of the Snows. It's dizzying to consider all of her titles and descriptions, all the places she is reported to have appeared, all of the places of which she is a patron, all the causes to which you can ask for help from her. Some of the titles are dogmatic. They express something about our faith. Mary's blessed by God because chosen to bear Jesus. Mary is virgin because she must be chaste to bear the Messiah and also to ensure that Jesus is divine and not only of human origin. But it is her popular titles that fascinate me most because they're the ones that we give her. You see, we people on the ground, we pray to God, but sometimes we feel alone. We need an advocate who understands us, our daily 
lived struggles, our lives as they are lived in our particular time and place. And those titles are not given by the hierarchy of the church, although sometimes they're adopted, but these titles for Mary rise up from the people and are part of popular piety because we need and love Mary. This past Lent, I spent the whole season pondering and praying through the eyes and experience of Mary, Our Lady of Sorrows. Because I sensed that the Mary who had had her heart pierced by sorrow, as Simeon predicted soon after the birth of Jesus, I felt that that Mary might help soften, soften my hard heart. She might help me in prayer and help me be softer towards suffering, my own and others. And Our Lady did. She helped soften my heart as I considered her own sorrowing one. And then this past summer, as we were traveling through New Mexico and digesting all the troubling news in our own country, police shootings and mass shootings, a divisive and violent political rhetoric, I found myself taken by all the Marian images in the churches that we visited, those churches that looked like they could have been in any little Mexican village. Our Lady is everywhere in Spanish-speaking cultures, especially the Virgin of Guadalupe. She appeared to the peasant Juan Diego in Mexico in the 16th century, and she appeared in the way they needed her, as a brown-skinned, indigenous woman, wearing clothes of that era and that place. The image of the Virgin of Guadalupe appeared miraculously on the cloak of Juan Diego, and it now hangs in the Basilica in Mexico City, and it's visited by so many people that they've put in a moving walkway to slide people past. Now, the Virgin of Guadalupe is the patron of all of the Americas, north and south, from the southernmost tip of South America on through Canada. And I feel that in this time of unrest and divisiveness in our own country, a time when so many people who are not rich are suffering, well, the Mary who appears to a peasant is the one that we can turn to, too. You know, there's an interesting uh, coincidence today, although maybe not, in that today is also the feast of blessed Jonathan Daniels. He's an Episcopal seminarian who felt called by Dr. King to go to Alabama to stand with people fighting for civil rights. And he was shot. He's a martyr. He was killed protecting Ruby Sales and some other civil rights workers. The 50th anniversary of that was last year. And the reading that we read on his feast day is the Magnificat. And that's because it was at Evensong when they were singing the Magnificat at Episcopal Divinity School that Jonathan Daniels knew 
that he had to be on the side of the one who sang to the Lord, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has lifted up the lowly. He has, fed the he has filled the rich with good things and sent the rich away empty. So you see, Mary is the people's saint. She's our saint. Because we know that Mary understands our complicated lives. There's not much information about her in the Bible, but what there is convinces us that she understands the joys and the sorrows of everyday life. So new titles and new locations arise as we need her. Sometimes we need not only God up there, but Mary down here, and so we get our lady of various places, including, most recently, a beautiful icon of Our Lady of Ferguson. It's a stunning new icon. Our Lady of Ferguson is a black Madonna, and on her front, there's a Corolla with a figure of a black Jesus, hands up, red sacred heart in his body. And though I don't think anyone has claimed an apparition of Mary in Ferguson, Missouri, we know that Our Lady is there. We know she's there. We know she's always with the poor and suffering because after all, her Magnificat makes clear two essential aspects of the Blessed Mother. She seeks only to magnify the Lord and she is always pointing to God. So many icons have her pointing to Jesus. That's the image of her being star of the sea, which I didn't understand all those years ago. Star of the sea because she's meant to be the guiding star of our faith, guiding us like a north star. And that's because her faith is what we all hope for. In the Magnificat, she doesn't just say that God will lift up the lowly and fill the hungry and bring down the proud and the rich. Rather, she puts it all in the past tense trusting that God has already done what God has promised. And in her Magnificat, she focuses on the least of us, making clear that the God who has blessed her, that God she will bear, will be with the poor and the lost and the brokenhearted, and that we will never be left alone in our sorrows. So, Mary, Our Lady of Sorrows, Mary, Our Lady of Solitude, Mary, Queen of Peace, Mary, Queen of Heaven, Mary, Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mary, Our Lady of Ferguson. But Mary is also known by one more appellation, well, many more, but here's one I think we need to focus on. Mary, cause of our joy, cause of our joy. For it is Mary who always points us to God. 
It is Mary who trusts God so completely that she says, be it done unto me according to thy word. It is Mary who bears Jesus the word. It is Mary who promises we will never be alone when we are most in need. It is Mary who prays for us now and at the hour of our deaths. It is Mary who cares for each and every one of us, for she is mother of us all. And that is why we celebrate her today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.